This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm joined by Charlie and Jethro. We we do not have Matt Collins' uh, hairstyle extraordinaire. He's uh, in Toronto. Ah, uh, his place of origin. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm in England, but I'm still here, so what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's a really solid point. Not only are you in England, but I see that you have um, your little one, Ellie, running around. And it's just you that's uh, managing this. And Charlie and I were just reminiscing about how cute other people think that is. But when it's on your lap, you're like, I can't do both. Yeah. <laughs> she's, um, yeah, Laura's just disappeared to Portugal because it is the press launch of the McLaren 750S coming up. So she left me. And uh, so I have all the kids and hopefully ellie's big brothers will keep her out of this room but i would say we've got seven or eight minutes <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah what time of night is it there when are you putting these kids to bed no it's only half past four that's bedtime oh yeah that's bedtime <laughs> uh, yeah for you guys i just picked her up <laughs> i just picked her up from nursery so i'm hoping they will entertain her and then maya my bigger girl will arrive home from school soon and maybe she'll cook her some food and you never know. Do you know what will probably work? Frozen, Dax. I'm still deep in the frozen stage. So Yeah, I guess you're welcome and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? Weirdly, <laughs> she was so into it. It was like six times a day. And now it's dropped to like only a couple of times a week. And me and Laura are like, oh, I miss Frozen. We should put it on again. <laughs> We've been institutionalized. <laughs> well, I think they're going to try to get her back here in a year and a half or so. They're going to make another one. So hopefully there'll be a whole nother cycle for you and the rest of Americans with young girls oh it's incredible and also i'm out of the loop guys i was in bahrain for the weekend well listen um i paid extra close attention i did too how'd you watch you were in new york right i was in new york and um left on thursday and was able to watch everything without much challenge except for yesterday i left the hotel at lap 23 oh boy and then at the airport i made it to lap I don't know, 65. Then I got on the plane and was streaming. And I swear to God, I couldn't believe the timing of this. The plane took off with three turns left on lap 71. <laughs> it was literally the moment that Checo dove in on Alonzo. And when my screen froze, they're like dead equal exiting the turn. And there was only, I don't know, 800 meters left of the race. And I was like, oh, my God. And I said to Kristen, oh, look at this, like 20 more seconds and oh. I would have got the conclusion. She goes, wow, I'm about to witness something I never thought I'd witness. And I go, what's that? She goes, you're going to have to buy the Wi-Fi on the uh. airplane. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it, you're right. And not only did I buy it, boy, they're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. You go on and it says like one hour for $20 or the whole flight for 29 And it's a, I don't know, six hour flight home from, from New York, five and a half. Yep. So I'm like, I got to spend the extra nine in the, you know, the rare chance I'm going to want to use it. Of course, I'm not going to want to use it. I don't want to do anything but watch the last two minutes of that race. Maybe two minutes. But I spent 29 and I had to re-register it, you know, with my frequent flyer number. It was a whole rigmarole. It took me about 15 minutes just <laughs> to get 
back to the last minute of the race. $30 is it's a lot of money, isn't it, for a flight? I want to say it's offensive. It is offensive. I think that is the word. It's kind of like all these brackets that make no sense. Like, if we go out to eat, all of us, I'm so delighted to pay, but we'll never think twice about it. It could be expensive. That doesn't bother me. You know, $12.99 for Paramount Plus, and I keep seeing on thing. I'm like, oh, my God. I just... Am I watching enough of it? And then will I remember? Take to- inventory of all the things you've watched, how many hours, break it down. I do the same thing. The oh. subscriptions get me. I know. Subscriptions- and honestly, I'll go out and have a meal with three people. That would pay for all my subscriptions virtually for, for a year. year. And yeah. I don't think about it. But there's something. You know what it is? It's this this bias we have about not being a fool. I had an expert yeah. on once. Yeah. You feel like you're a fool. You're being ripped off. That's right. You're, yep. made, you're being made a fool. And the Wi-Fi on that airplane always sucks. So yeah. I know that going in. I pay for it because I have to do something. I can't do the thing I bought it for. And then I feel like even more of a fool because I knew it was coming. I paid for it anyway. Well, it took me about eight and a half minutes to watch the last 90 seconds (laughs) as it buffered, you know. So I guess it kind of upped the drama for me. Maybe I owe them a thank you uh, because... I mean, it was a photo fucking finish. It, 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 depending on what angle you looked at, I had to wait to hear what the announcer said because it was not at all clear to me. And there's all those different lines. Yes. And so who knows which and one Chekhov's matters. gaining at a, you know, flying. he's flying. I mean, God, if that finish line was like another 40 feet, 100 feet. I think even less. Yeah. Did you see the photo? Yeah. It's insane. It is. It came down to that. I'm sure there's been equally as good finishes since we started watching, but I can't think of one offhand. It seems like that was the most excited I've ever, probably too, because it's those guys, it's those teams, everything about it. And the battle had been so relentless. I think that was the thing is we've seen some close finishes, but it's some guy flying through the field making another pass. And this had been, I don't know, 30 laps in the making down to that last stretch was... And Alonzo didn't at that point really have the car, the tires or anything else. He just had the will. And the 75 years behind the wheel in Formula <laughs> One. I mean, they keep reading his numbers and it's like every time they hit you with it, it's like more and more preposterous. It's like 370. The fact that it's been 10 years since he won. I ten. know. And, he's, and he's won so many. It's not like he won one time 10 years ago. He yeah. was winning. Nonstop. Nonstop. And it's been 10 years and he's still out there working. Working his ass off. I wonder how many years of his life he spent driving a Formula One car. You know, when like people who've had thousands of children. My, one of my best friends, Irish Catholic, his mum had 13 kids. So we were always trying to work out how many years his mum had been pregnant. And it's it's like Alonso in an F1 car. He's literally been years of his life driving those cars. More than he's not. More than he, he spent not in that car, probably. Or flying to a track or testing yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's probably a significant double-digit percentage of his waking life has been yeah. driving a car recklessly. I was at Bahrain, um for the World Endurance Championship, which is like the series that has Le Mans in it. So it's um, sports car races, lots of XF1 drivers, and it's it's really improving a lot. Are they in the same track that the F1 track is? Yes. Yeah, it was on the same Bahrain yeah. track. Yeah. But anyway, that I was speaking to a journalist who's covered this series for years, and it was where Alonso went to Toyota, and he won Le Mans twice with Toyota. They had really good drivers in the car already, a couple of them XF1 drivers, etc., in, in the car. And he said... The speed with which the team switched to Alonso being the main man was so quick. He, he he came in, and F1 drivers, you expect them to turn up anywhere and be quick, but they don't turn up and dominate. We've seen it when Jensen Button goes and races something, whatever. Um, they're quick, and they can get there, but it's not like a switch. Well, Alonso apparently got there, became the main guy incredibly quickly. And the work ethic, you're talking about, how long he's been at it his work ethic was insane this journalist was telling me that the engineers were moaning because like Alonso's ringing them at 3 a.m 4 a.m he's sending them 40 50 texts a day on the on the run-up to races even and Toyota at the time was so dominant in this they were beyond what Red Bull are in F1 there was no competition effectively Alonso just had to turn up and they were going to win but that was the work ethic he had even for a series that is an F1 and even for a car that was always going to win it was there was no doubt the only competition was their teammate at that point but he was calling them texting them he was calling the team boss the main man at like 4 a.m just relentless he has something different that than lewis has they're both brilliant obviously lewis is so good but i do think alonzo gets taken over by it 
more than other drivers in that there is no safe way around. You know, Lewis is much more measured now. It was really fun to see him actually in Mexico go on the grass, but that was that was an anomaly for how he drives normally. But Alonso, you can tell, is so in the moment and in the competition that there is, he doesn't have, he can't bring the frontal lobe online. He's just so hardcore. And there's so racer. many guys in that situation where you hear them come on and complain about their tires or their speed, whatever it is. They'd complain about why they're disadvantaged, why they're having to work so hard. And you didn't hear it once. And it was 30 laps of just him going. And he yeah. just, yes, yeah, switched over into that, that mode and was like, this is where we're at. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can. Yeah. You can tell it's all consuming for him in a way that there's no, uh, above the body view of what's happening. No. It's just kind of everything's for this moment. But also he doesn't give up. I, f I feel like a lot of drivers in that situation will be like, there's a Red Bull behind me. They've got DRS. They're coming through. Like that's, that's, it's almost like I'm not going to fight them because then I'm going to kill my tires and then I'm going to drop further back. Whereas that doesn't even seem to enter his head. His his entire brain is taken up with how do I stay ahead, not thinking, well, if I let him go, then at least I get fourth position. So he was changing his tactics every single lap just to knock Perez off his rhythm. So rather than just stay, saving up the battery for the long straight, he'd use it somewhere else so Perez wouldn't know what was coming and he was using different lines every corner and he was just throwing him off the scent the whole time. And I, I don't think anyone else would do that. Yeah, the commentators were good at pointing out like he had switched his line to this kind of V approach to every turn and it couldn't be addressed by Perez and Perez had to adopt his line and then as soon as Perez would be on his line, then he would yeah. switch it up to somebody Yeah. His, like, race intellect was so outrageous because when Perez finally got by him in on, in lap 70, like you're saying, Jethro, I thought, well, that's it. You know, he got by him in the right spot, and that's, yep. you know, it's it, he's going to drive away now. And uh, everyone in the world probably thought that except for Alonzo because then immediately he's right back on him. Alonzo was forcing Perez to take these different lines. So when he did make that pass, he was out of position. He didn't really know. He wasn't in a rhythm. Like Yeah, he had to snap into his, snap, his own race. Yeah, and he kind of went in a little too deep, and then Alonzo got that great drive yeah. to make another pass. But oh, man, what a moment. That was that was fun. That was about as good as it gets in F1. Uh, the whole weekend, though, was really good. Really quickly, you were in Bahrain. Where, where, what did you do, Charlie? Uh, I watched I some home. food updates I want to get out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched at home. We had sports. Erica left for New York yesterday, so we had sports early morning. Um, and then I just watched at home, yeah. which was nice. You'd seen quality and practice and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sprint shootout and the sprint. Sprint shootout quality. Yeah. yeah. What I did notice was early in the weekend, there was a lot of talk with Toto, et cetera, about sprint quality and sprint. No one knew. It's not just us. They had no idea what the format was. That, like... Toto couldn't remember what the qualifying the name was. He was like, are we qualifying for the race tonight or the sprint? Like, no one knows. It's, I feel yeah. so vindicated that it's not just us being really stupid. Oh, yeah, the commentators fuck it up all the time, which is my very favorite, to see them kind of uh, hit a speed bump. And the biggest tell is it says... SQ1, SQ, Sprint Qualifying 1, that should just be the name. It's up there on the leaderboard. Yeah. And then everyone's fumbling around with the name of the, the shootout, the Sprint shootout. I bet if you're anywhere but the U.S., you're blaming Americans for this. And maybe you should. You know, as we try to Americanize and eventize every one of these. I think you could say that about any issue, basically. That <laughs> It's definitely geared towards a sprint shootout. Shootout. Like There's a... no other name in any part of the race that resembles shootout except for that. Yeah. Guns. It sounds yeah. like guns. Let's tune in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything goes back. All roads lead back to the old west and the yes. fucking duels between sitting presidents. Yeah, it's insane. The fact that they had it shootout is is very telling that Liberty is an American company. And it's for the qualifying, which always throws me like go for shootout and that's the race. You call it a sprint shootout. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But the fact that that's the, sprint the qualifying. should be called shoot from the hip. And then uh, Sunday's race should be called sniper fire. Or quick draw. We have the quick draw. Oh, the quick draw shootout. <laughs> Blindfolded quick draw shootout. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I went to New York with uh, Kristen, which was so fun and similar to you, Charlie. You're about to go to join Erica. I went solely to tag along with Kristen. She was um, a guest in this musical, uh, Gutenberg, which is incredible. I just got to say, it was quite a moment. Josh and Andrew, who are also in Book of Mormon, they're like, they're so incredibly talented. They're singing the whole musical. It's so impressive. They deserve so much applause, and they get it. And then Kristen's like a stunt casting at the end. She just comes on stage singing and acts like she's a producer. And uh, the amount of love that was shown to that little girl was so moving. I mean, to see how the whole Broadway audience lit up. I told her going to New York with her is like going to Vegas with Sinatra. You like show up at the theater and you go in the back door and you know how to go here and you're just following her around. Everyone knows her. And uh, to see this like standing ovation she got was so wonderful. It made my uh, whole trip. And we ate. We fucking ate so hard. <laughs> we went, we were there for three days. We went to Emily Burger three times. We went to this restaurant. This is Chris and I to a T. If we have a good meal on day one, forget it. The done looking, this is where we're going to eat every meal. So we went to this restaurant, Bubby's, four times in three days. Every time we walked in, I think they thought it was funnier and funnier. And uh, what kind of food is it? Oh, baby. Gluten free pancakes, all the egg offerings. Breakfast. No. Okay. The whole gamut. It would remind you of the fun place we ate in Portland. Yeah. Just really. It's the first thing when you said you've Bubbies. I was like, oh, it sounds yeah. like, what was that, Cheryl's or something? Yes, Cheryl's. yes, yes. Bubby, Cheryl. You know, it's yeah. a friend. You're yeah. going to a friend's place. Friend's place. But we <laughs> we ate and ate and ate and uh, watched our iPad in bed and took like a six-mile walk through the city one night, and it was just heaven. And then when she was going to go see other musicals, which I can only do one musical a year, and I had done it. So she went to a couple other shows, and it was perfect because then it was my Formula One time, and I'd sit down and, uh, you know, dig my teeth into this. And it was, I thought it was really fun all weekend. Uh, Quali on Friday was crazy oh, was because insane. of the rain, right? And not just rain, but like a hurricane-level rain. <laughs> I've never seen a cloud like that. It It looked like a special effect from a horror film. It was like a wave of pure black evil coming over the horizon it was insane alonzo came in and said oh it's it's nighttime now because it was just so black out there i mean it was just dark that'd be great if they had to turn the 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 track lights on it was cool but it did deprive us i actually thought lando is going to get pole on merit i actually thought it was going to happen and i was like this is it this is his race he's going to win one yeah he looks so awesome this whole weekend and, and i agree and there's i think there's an argument to be made he would have. But again, we, we just have, and now everyone's sick of it, but we have to point out that, like, it's not luck when you time it every fucking time. The fact that everyone got screwed except for Max is just simply not an accident. And it he does it in all the practices, every qualifying. You think someone's close, and then he pulls out that magical time. And, like, Lando could have got it, but I'm just inclined to believe that Max would have pulled something out. You know, it just, yeah. that's the feeling I get. I don't understand what a McLaren, they've they've got the car now. What are they thinking to send them out that late when Max is literally overtaking in people in the pit lane to get to the front? <laughs> that because was Because he awesome. knows what's happening. What? McLaren are just like, oh, well, Lando's got this in the bag. Let's wait till it rains, you know, maybe. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, again, you, you got to tip your head to Max. Like, somehow the other drivers don't know they got to get out there and throw that lap down. He just hasn't really misstepped, other than hitting the bear barrier in the pits (laughs) he hasn't done anything this whole year that didn't turn out to be perfect and if anyone's gonna wait till late in the session it would be max yes so the fact that he is racing to get out there making passes down the pit exit should just be an indicator for everyone else like oh we should be picking up the pace a little bit and was that news to anyone that you can pass in the pit lane like when i saw him do that i thought oh there's gonna be penalties galore but apparently that's totally kosher in fact you get more penalized if you if you get past because you're blocking or in front of me had a couple penalties down there for people not pulling over to allow cars to pass. Right. But that was uh, to allow Max to pass at 70 kilometers. That was hour. exciting. And also, as soon as they crossed that line, that long exit, you could get up to regular speed. So they yeah. were they were ripping down there. Yeah. So crazy end to quality. Right. We had uh, Stroll up there in third. That's not likely to be repeated anytime soon. Well, Aston Martin somehow were back in the game, weren't they? It's from 
being absolutely nowhere. So they've got they started off so well, looked like they'd be on the podium pretty much every race. Then they became like Haas for several races, and now they're they're sort of back, aren't they? It's pretty wild to watch. And then um, the sprint was fantastic. There were tons of great battles. Uh, I thought the Yuki Hamilton stuff, uh, the battles for fifth. It was anytime Yuki like doesn't back down from a legend, I love it. And he was battling Hamilton very hard in the sprint. Alonzo and Gasly were going at it really hard. Lap 15, they had a huge battle. And then the Sainz-Ricardo stuff was really fun to watch. Yep. I mean, they too had a damn near photo finish, be it for 8th and ninth. but that... That's points. That's points. And uh, that one was really down to the wire as well. So uh, any race we had was just full of, like, confusing orders uh, you know novel orders we don't normally see people battling that we don't we don't normally see hamilton and yuki going at it for a long time what's going on with alpha tauri they're like suddenly quite quick but it was yuki was the lead driver it was a strange story this weekend for them it was i mean th- th- their car seemed to suck in quality on friday because they qualified what they didn't get out of q1 yeah yet then in the sprint they looked pretty good they were uh, great in the uh, in the in the, qual- the sprint shootout. They looked pretty good. And they 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 got up. You know they ratcheted up, and then mysteriously they were pretty great in the race on Saturday. So I don't. I don't the sprint was great. I mean, it, Science Piastri and Danny were just they were all right there, keeping up pace and battling. So it was it was fun to watch. They looked good all yeah. weekend. Yeah. But you're right. I don't know why the car sucked. Uh, you know, P1 and Quali, and then was okay in the shootout, and then good in the sprint, and then good in the race. Um, the Aston thing is really interesting. They they did say during the telecast that they just removed all the upgrades. That's why they <laughs> shot back up. They which downgraded. Is, yeah, yeah. They downgraded, and they were uh, immediately competitive. They went back to their tracing of the Red Bull that they had at the beginning of the year and was like, that wasn't yeah. such a bad idea. <laughs> Let's stick to that. But I got to applaud. I, I imagine the hardest thing to do is to take away your upgrades that you spent a bunch of money and time in to make the decision like, well, fuck it. Let's just go back is probably hard. Yeah. Yeah. A hard decision. You might you think, oh, we still just haven't figured out the setup for these upgrades. And someone obviously was like, fuck these upgrades. Yep. And all of a sudden they look like they did in the first 10 races of the year. So did they literally take it off? I, from what I heard that the political spin was that they'd like used a mashup of the various different uh, old and new to try and create this hybrid thing. But whatever they did, it worked, didn't it? Suddenly Alonso was alive, Stroll. It's just bizarre that they've gone the wrong direction for so long. And Stroll seemed to be loving it. All his interviews, he was in a great mood, smiling, friendly. I don't know. I guess that's what a good performance will do. He did a slightly weird thing, which was he didn't really acknowledge that he shouldn't be in third. I agree. That was something (laughs) I saw. He he sort of played it so cool. Like, I'll just style this out as if I'm always up here. It was the weirdest thing. And then seven of the drivers didn't get a time down or whatever it ended up being. He just acted like uh, it was no biggie and nothing special had happened. Hey, you got to fake it till you make it. I mean, I guess. I, I, I feel like you, you got to go like, well, I really lucked out this time. I'll try to do the best I can with this gift that was given to me. But he seemed to act like he really belonged there. But it was mixed up also because we had like, Mercedes was so bad. Um, Ferrari sort of shot themselves in the foot, didn't they, with Leclerc's thing. And that, so the starring roles were really, like like you say, Aston Martin, Alpha Tauri, all these teams that have sort of disappeared of late were really back in the mix. You know, it's rare that you can tell exactly what's wrong with one of these cars that doesn't have pace. But with, with Mercedes this week, what was so obvious was their just their top speed was terrible. They looked terrible all weekend. Yeah, just, I mean, even in the sprint, they were just going backwards the whole time. Yeah, usually they climb the whole race. That's their pattern is they don't qualify great, but they have a very dependable car that seems to gain speed throughout the race. And this was the opposite. The it just opposite. kept getting worse and worse. And They put a big wing on for downforce to save the tires, which killed the top speed. And yet the car still was eating its tires. It looked like every time they accelerated, the car was sideways. It, there was no grip either. So they put downforce on, but didn't appear to have any grip whatsoever. It's really strange. The worst two drivers to put in a bad car. <laughs> the whole, yeah. whole field, the two dudes that are going to complain the most and whine the most, unfortunately, are George and Lewis. It's just, I wonder, like, I listen to the podcasts. I try to detect bad habits I'm forming and I try to correct 
things and get better. It always crosses my mind. Do these guys not ever watch the race and hear themselves? I think it would be so valuable. I didn't valuable. think Lewis was that bad this race. He wasn't that bad, but he also wasn't great. It's a, it's like <laughs> it's a low yeah, bar. It is what it is, Lewis. Like yeah. we can see what's going on. He's just continuing to come on to complain. But 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 George acting like he should be let by yet again. This is such a pattern. He's on there complaining, why don't you let me buy? Why don't you let me buy? I was going to let you guys decide, but now I'm here. I well, have and he said in the beginning, he went out, he said at first, is like, I'll stay behind and play the team game, like lap one, like early, early. Right. And it's like, that alone is like, all right, all right. You, I don't know that you could pass or you should pass, but yeah, they just let him go. Yeah, yeah. And then when, I forget who it was, but someone passed him uh-huh. and he was out with, he wasn't Science, with him. maybe. Science, I think. I think. Yeah. So he was, he, and that happened because he was out of DRS range. Exactly. And then he threw a temper tantrum like, oh, I guess we aren't playing this team game. It's like, well, Lewis is claiming he's saving his tires and, <laughs> and managing the pace. You keep up with him. He's not going to slow down anymore. Well, that's what's annoying about this pattern with sweet George is that nearly every time he makes this stand within two laps, he falls out of DRS and then just gets gapped. That's what happened at like within three laps of him making this whole stink. He's three and a half seconds behind Lewis. He's got no shot in hell of catching no. him. So all that would have happened if he would have got around him is that he would have slowed both of them down dramatically. That's yeah. what was obvious. And then he went on with that passive-aggressive statement of, I thought if I was quiet enough for long enough, it would be obvious, you know, as if like... Train reverse psychology. Yeah, right maybe he's at a critical point because I was talking to someone else about this. To me, when the big new hot thing comes in, they usurp the old guy immediately. Like, it's it's an instantaneous thing. It's very rare that a young hotshot comes in, spends three or four years gradually overtaking the master. And I feel like maybe he sees that when Lewis does eventually retire, he's no longer the automatic first choice. Do you know what I mean? I feel like Merck, they're at the point where they're almost considering him a number two, or certainly not a superstar in the Hamilton mold. And I wonder if he knows there's a, there's like a time frame ticking. He has to establish himself as the man. Otherwise, this, yeah. this golden opportunity has the potential to disappear. It definitely started last year looking like he was exactly that, that he was going to beat the legend and he was going to take the reins of that team. But that slipped away from a mid-season last year. And then this year, he just hasn't... I mean, he himself has to be confronting the reality that he's not as fast as Lewis, which yeah. is... You know, I think that's why he gets into so much blaming because to accept that would be career-ending and destructive to his, you know, what is competitive mojo. So I think he's just fighting. He's he's looking for every excuse possible because he he can't himself accept that he's not as fast as... When Lewis wants to be, Lewis is still faster than him. That's kind of the facts. And I think he sees Lando and Max and all these guys. They've taken a step, and Lando particularly. I know Piastri's had a really strong season as a rookie, but... Whenever it's looked really close, Lando finds a way to to hit another gear almost. And I, I think Russell must know that that doesn't look great for him. And like I say, the, the superstars come in, whoever's in the team, they smash them to pieces and that's it. Like, that's the way it works. That's the way sport works. It, it's not this slow yeah. drip. Um, and I think, yeah, it's not going that way for him. Well, even with Ricardo and that Horner interview from Saturday, you know, he talks about him coming in and, and smashing Vettel, you know, getting on four podiums. and. Well, George just, has changed his, his style, too. He was aggressive and, you know, attacking all the time. And that's when he he did really well. And now he's kind of assuming he should take priority and he's backing off and wants all this help from the team and wants help from Lewis. And it's changing his driving style, and it's not working because he's not just a better, pure driver. No, he's not getting better. He no. was getting incrementally better, it seemed, every season, and that seems to have plateaued and, and or dropped a yep. bit. Uh, he should still be able to out-qualify Hamilton every third race, you know. That, that still should be on the table, and it doesn't seem to be. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, let's talk about how the race started because it, it started so <laughs> eventfully that... <laughs> Turn one, or not turn one, the formation, formation lap. lap. Yeah. yeah. Charles. Turn seven, halfway through. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been more excited to see a replay of an accident because I'm like, what could have possibly happened? Because <laughs> he's off hard. Like He was flying when they showed it. <laughs> and then they, they weren't showing the full thing for a while. They right. were just showing him mid-spin going so fast. <laughs> yes. You're thinking like, how, did what happened? What yeah. the fuck happened? But clearly a hydraulic issue. But what was so heartbreaking is over the the Ugh. radio, he said, "Why the fuck am I so unlucky? Why the fuck twice? Why the fuck am I so unlucky?" Yeah, he bared his soul in that moment, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And he's he's, he's right. right. He's not even like a whiny uh, French baby child uh, no. king. He, he Monegasque, Monegasque. We haven't said it enough. <sighs> Monagas, the poor Monagas man. Poor Monagas. I felt so bad for him, and it was the least whiny thing he could have said. I mean, it was just like he's actually taking responsibility that it's his luck, and it's not. (laughs) It's fucking Ferrari's luck that he has been infected with. They were still showing cars starting the lap, like on (laughs) the telecast. They were showing that, and then the announcers like (laughs) went wild. So what what happened? He lost his steering and his brakes. Is that what we... It, it, the hydraulic pressure was gone and he just couldn't control the car. Yeah, I do wonder if it had any impact on the, the gearbox as well. I don't know if there's any hydraulics involved in that system. He was coming off of that... There was a straight bit, so he might have picked up a little speed and then the hydraulics were gone, so no braking, no steering, and just... That's it. <laughs> he was just a passenger in a careening rocket. It just looked like he was lost and didn't know what the corner was coming. It was it was deeply strange. But I feel so I love Leclerc. I want to see him up with the big boys. So I, I was gutted for him. But it is luck. It's, it's luck and Ferrari. Well, there's no way with y'all's uh, schedule this weekend that you heard the Horner interview. But I asked him, what's Ferrari's problem? They have the money. They have the manufacturing prowess. They have the drivers. Like if you went in and took control of that team, how would you fix it? Move it to England. It's the only yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in essence, he said he, he believes the problem with Ferrari is that it's a national team, that the whole country votes on what happens at that team and that they listen to what's written in the newspapers. And I do think Red Bull exists as this semi-autonomous thing, right? I don't know what pressure they'd be succumbing to. The Austrians? I don't think so. Like, the I'm extreme not... sports athletes. Other extreme sports, yeah. And, they... and the club goers <laughs> that drink all the vodka Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was an interesting take. I guess I can... It's almost as if Ferrari is a government team. And if you imagine the U.S. government, as good as we are at shootouts, running an <laughs> F1 team, 
we would be at the very back of the grid. So I think Louder or maybe Gerhard Berger or someone, maybe it was Louder when he went to Ferrari the first time and he was like, he, he rolled up, saw the site, saw the factory and he was like, wow, how did Ferrari ever lose a race? This is insane. And then he went inside and after about three minutes, he was like, how Ferrari ever won a race? <laughs> 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 which, which I'm sure isn't true now, but I love it as a story because it's just like it, everything looks right, the ingredients are there, and then you get inside and it's like chaos, like utter chaos. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, I love it. It's everything I love about Italy. It's such a great place. Um, and then, of course... So that was only halfway through the formation lap. Yes, and, and this is what's heartbreaking. Well, I guess it happens in turn one of the actual race. But turn one of the actual race, uh, Magnuson and Albon take each other out, however you want to... Yep, and then they bump into Oscar. So the three of them have... And then Ricardo gets some damage as well. From that rogue tire. Yeah. So yeah. there's a tire from one of those cars bouncing all around. Danny's back behind them quite a ways. Playing it safe. Yeah, backed way off, got around, and this tire flies up in the air and lands right on that rear wing. And that was the... Is that what that happened? I, because I didn't see the replay of that. So I was like, what has happened to Ricardo? Because he's a lap down almost straight away. Yeah. I was like, what's going on? Because he was down in, what, 17th or something? He was down back yeah. in the pack, so he was able to avoid that whole incident. And there was debris everywhere. And he avoided it perfectly. But there was a tire bouncing about 40 feet in the air that came smashing right down. I don't know if I realized this until this race. So they go into red flag. Everyone comes into the pits. Lots of people received some help with their cars, but they, they stayed in the pit lane. If you pull it in the garage, this is crazy. So because Ricardo went in the garage to get his wing looked at and then came back out, he had to start from pit lane, but then something even weirder happened because normally when you start from pit lane, you're not a lap down, but somehow he and Piastri were ruled a full lap down. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either because the only thing that would make sense is did they... It continued on though. There was a yellow flag at first. Yeah. Safety car came in or came out. Mm -hmm. Did they do a lap through pit lane? Because sometimes uh, they'll do a lap to avoid the debris. And I think they had pulled into the pit right before it turned red. Okay. And had they just limped around, I guess, they uh -huh. would have taken advantage of it. But they missed that drive-through lap. Uh-huh. Which also, I don't know, that sucks. That's yeah, just, it sucked really bad because... And that's a clear red... That should be a red flag from the second. There it was cars everywhere. That's the thing. It was immediate. Yeah, it was obvious immediately, wasn't it? The bummer of it was, despite... His finishing place, which, by the way, so many people DNF'd, I started thinking, my God, gonna get Ricardo me might get 10th. Like, we could just lose three more cars. Uh, he's gonna I get thought so, too. Yeah, I was we, like, holy shit. It would be the first time ever someone got 10th uh, a lap last. down. And last. <laughs> yeah, last and 10th <laughs> and a lap down. But... um. What was kind of heartbreaking is um, he was he was really fast. He kept Piastri very firmly behind him the yep. whole race. They both had really good pace, and it's a bummer. I would have loved to have seen him in the mix because— And why wouldn't they let them unlap themselves? Because they did go back out. So why weren't they at the front of that line? Because they did a grid start all over again, and they had to leave the pit lane one lap down. Right. You're a full lap down yeah, at that it was point. A triple whammy. It was a full race—yeah. Yeah, they came out like a minute and a half behind or some shit. Yeah, because it's so long, that pit lane exit. You're you're stuck for, you're so far behind by the time everyone clears that exit. Well, any more race highlights? Because I have some fun, like, I guess it's, well, it's truly it's pulp from the paddock. I have Matt's list. Two things really quick now that we're on Matt. The reaction to our title sequence, F1 title sequence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was so favorable. I'm so happy with everyone who watched it and liked it and commented. It was, it was. Kind of a big hit for us with our small audience. I really, really liked how yeah. much people enjoyed it. I got some really good texts. Like uh, my buddy Jeremy from Red Bull, who's worked there for every who you've met. Yep. He wrote me, he's like, it's so good. I'm infuriated at myself for not having made this before. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. That's the perfect. That's like my best compliments. I see someone do something funny and I'm like, oh, you piece of shit. You should have thought of that. But uh, at any rate. One of the standout moments is Matt's hair. I don't think people realized how gorgeous Matt's hair is before they saw it under the or how power of Yeah, or how long it is. Because he always has it in a hat or up or yeah, something. Yeah. But he's he downplays got, it. He's got a, 
a hearty mane of hair. It's beautiful. It's got the perfect amount of curl to it. It's thick. The the color's nice. He's certainly a good hair ambassador. Yeah. Like, I want that guy in charge of my hair. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I wonder if he works for any hair brands. I've never heard him mention it, but possibly he does. He definitely should look into it. Yeah. You know what would be a great fit for him is Dyson. Because they've got a great hair dryer. We should curlers. We'll let him know. Some we should things. let him know that. Yeah. Yeah, we should um, advise him in that direction. Um, and then Charlie's Wink gave a lot of PQs. I saw a lot of comments <laughs> about Charlie's Wink. And you know what's funny is I miss Charlie's Wink because as attracted to him as I am and as much as I'm trying to be like him, I'm also still hetero, so I'm going to miss some stuff. And when the Wink was pointed out to me a bunch of times, I went back and looked at it, and yeah, the Wink is powerful. It's slow. It's a slow <laughs> Wink. It, that's, I think, what tips it into PQ territory i think it's lucky that charlie looks like he does otherwise it would come across very creepy i think it's it's the aesthetic oh. makes it work <laughs> if you or i threw that wink out people would be like there'd be the puke emoji yeah. uh uh, allegations of sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some harassment things going the on The first there. two guys to get canceled from a wink. The wink was so pervy. <laughs> was tra- we'd have to do a trigger warning from your gross uncle at a barbecue. <laughs> but yeah, it looks great when Charlie does it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Bastard. Matt's hair, Charlie's wink. All, we, all we, you and I have got is um, some squats, I guess. That's what yeah. we got on our side. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. As has now become a pattern, uh, the pre-race interviews when Martin Brundle talks to people. Oh, yeah, I did see this. Did did anyone see this um, Machine Gun Kelly interview? I had another little note about Machine Gun Kelly. Okay, great. I'm sure we have the same note, the follow-up. But it all starts with one of these grid walks where Martin engages him. Again, you know, Martin's just found out in his ear that this person's a rock star in the name. So he doesn't really know who he's talking to. And then Machine Gun Kelly's trying to be playful with him. He's out of his uh, element. So he's encouraging him to do an air piano and an air guitar. It's not a great request. I love the kid because I interviewed him and he's such yeah. a sweetheart. But, you know, a little bit of a misfire. But Brundle has no grace whatsoever. If he doesn't like how it's going, he, he doesn't try at all. It's an it's a curious person to put down on the grid because this this is how many of them go with Martin. It was just so <laughs> awkward from start to finish, wasn't it? It was like they were trying to riff off each other, but immediately they realized it wasn't going to work. So you were talking about like eating shit on a, on a comedy stage and it felt <laughs> like that. It was like someone has to bail. <laughs> Who's going to do it first? But all of his are like that. There's so many that yeah. I feel the same way. Like who's going to it's like a game of chicken. Like yeah. who's who's out of here first <laughs> who's more frustrated brundle and or the guests it's an interesting thing because like when we were in miami we were talking about it like you kept saying i don't no one knows who i am here i don't have my my power <laughs> yeah, yeah but the the thing you do have is you know who everyone out there is you know the race car drivers the manager the principals everyone <laughs> yes the celebrities he's talking to have no idea about anything no. so neither of them know who the other person is, it's just a complete blank slate, and they're going into this aggressive interview. <laughs> yes. It's as if MGK happened to have been in Sao Paulo that weekend, and someone invited him. He's like, I'll check it out. And then uh, here's Brundle, this hard-hitting ex-driver <laughs> who wants nothing to do with it. It's just curious he's the one who has, has been tasked with it, because Kravitz loves interacting with people. Like, my grid interview was with Ted Kravitz, which was a blast. He called my podcast a little tiny podcast, but that's I can live with that. <laughs> that's par for the course. Um, but where they got the last laugh, these commentators. You don't want to fuck with them. They just randomly announced, is this what you're going to say? Like lap 60, they come over the broadcast to say, MGK has just left the race early. I guess he doesn't want to see the conclusion of this Perez Alonso battle. Like they roasted him and outed him for leaving yeah. early. I was like, oh, that's, that's what I noted too. Is lap, lap 46, oh, 46, they call out Machine Gun Kelly for splitting. Uh, 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 I think that's great. And they great. were just talking about it. Was it's, awesome. it's like the ultimate move. It's like we have all the cards and we're going to play them whenever we want. I just think it's brilliant. 
Yes, we're going to show you that we have the last word infinitum. Yep. And, and they just gonna... kept saying how good that battle was. And like, well, one person that's not interested in the outcome of this battle is Machine Gun Kelly, who just And I left. bet even if he had left on a stretcher from a huge injury, they would have omitted that part just so he looked like he bailed mid-race. But by the way, he probably bailed because he was so pissed at Brundle. Yeah. He's like, this, this, this crowd sucks. What's the approach, Dax? Brundle's coming up to talk to you on a pit walk. What What is the approach? If I'm Brundle or I'm MG? I'm no, UK. if it's you as a personal, if it's Dax Shepard and you're being approached, how do you play it? It's, it's hard to yeah, know. Yeah, how does Brundle get a good response from you? Oh, my God, yeah. So I don't even know what his first question is, but the first thing I would say to him, shame you went fast enough to get into F1, wasn't it? <laughs> and I'd wink at him and I'd play to his own ego and get him on my side. I would not ask him to air piano because I know that's very far out of his wheelhouse. <laughs> it did seem but a big swing, that one. Like, it. Yes, don't do it's it. two guys that don't know who each other are. Nope. Or care. It almost needs to be its own show, which is Brundle interviewing people he doesn't know who they are, and he's annoyed he has to stop and talk to them. <laughs> Brundle was probably really taken back by how tall he was, too, because MGK is like two inches taller than I am. He's, 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 he's up there. He's seven foot three in F1 speak. Yes, yeah. he has. Compared to Toto, he is seven three. And also wearing all yellow. That must have fucked with Brundle a little bit. And like, he's just wild looking, covered in <laughs> tattoos. and Yes. What a pairing. Those two should do like a travel series together. I would pay anything to watch that. Those two traveling the world together and just fucking bickering and neither going along with either of the suggestions to one another. But it was just like, let's do this. And Brandon was like, no, I'm not doing that. And he kept going back. Just do it for me. I need it. Brandon was like, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, I'd rather go talk to other people. Yeah. Just kind of turned. Oh, boy. Okay, so that was a bit of pulp that was juicy. Now, I am transitioning into Matt's pulp from the paddock. I personally am not going to stand by any of these statements, but I'm going to put them Read out them. there. <laughs> but they're great. Disclaimer. I, he, I got to tell you, Matt is so awesome. I want to thank him. He sent me not only the pulp, but like videos of where he got the information from. Sources. He, yeah, he's fucking awesome. I love you, Matt Collins. It, okay. He couldn't be bothered to come, but he is awesome, yeah. He's awesome. Look, he's, at a, he's, in, he's in Toronto. He's in his hometown. He's he's uh, got the feathers out. He's peacocking around probably. That's right. He's probably got a fan following him everywhere. Get that hair blowing. I was going to say, has he now got a wind machine? Now he's seen that. I think he, he needs someone just following him around, constantly blowing the locks. Well, that's what he's there for. And he's at with the research team, the R&D team, to find a personal little fan yeah. device. They're going to turn the fans out. The ones that are m normally meant to cool you in a cooling suit, they're going to be shooting just up shooting. at him. At all yeah. times. <laughs> okay. Uh, new owners, question mark. Rumors that Lawrence Stroll had already sold shares to a Saudi investor group. I don't know where this comes from, but that's a rumor. We, uh, nothing to substantiate that, allegedly. But it would be curious if he really has already sold his shares and magically they dropped all their stupid upgrades that didn't work. That could be curious. If there was any mm. truth to that, did the new owners immediately go, Go back. It was working. Let's go. I don't, we you don't need to see anything. Just go back. Yeah. You fixed what wasn't broken. Well, uh, uh, on Aston Martin too, um, there were those slight rumors about Alonzo and Checo making a switch. Did you see that? Uh, and then Alonzo got really mad about it. Oh, yeah. he did? Yeah. He oh, like, oh, yes. Alonzo did. Alonzo did. He got really mad about, you know, he said there'll be consequences for these rumors kind of thing. Which I didn't understand. It was, was odd. There's, there's, there's rumors Everywhere, all the time. If this was the consequence, lap 70 and 71, <laughs> sign me up for more of those yeah. consequences. Let's start some more rumors. Yes, because that was the best racing of the year. But he made it sound like he was couldn't be happier there, wanted to stay. So I don't know how that would play into new owners. But And then I, had a, I heard a lot of people come to his defense and support that he is very, very happy there. There's a lot yeah. of people that know him personally that say he's quite happy there. He'd be happier winning races in a Red Bull, I imagine. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, it'd be a strange move for him. I don't understand. Red Bull wouldn't like it. He and Max, they have this love affair, which I've appreciated so much. It's like the the older master and this young phenom, you know. There, there's something so great about it. The last thing I'd want to see is them end his career as enemies with Max, which yeah. would be, certainly be the case. Alonso couldn't get his ass kicked for the next three years and be happy. No, I think it's now just a question of how long he stays around, isn't it? I think that's the question. Is he going to stick around or not? Well, given Sunday's race, I mean, he's as good as anybody. It'd be crazy. It doesn't look at all like he's close to needing to retire. No, I agree. No, and Stroll had a great weekend and he was ahead of him, no problem. Yes. So he's clearly still has it. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Vegas final race. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Three question marks. So the Abu Dhabi GP may be canceled due to the conflict in the Middle East. The teams have been notified and the decision will be soon. If so, the Vegas GP will be the final race of the year. You heard that as well? Yeah, so I heard that last week, but then the FIA came out and said it's at no risk of being canceled. So from what I read last, unless there was a new update, they're gonna they're planning to have that last race. Um, and we've seen they've had races with bombs going off a couple miles away. They don't care. Within the wide shot. Yeah, we're, we're fine. We're <laughs> yes. fine. If there's a track, there will be a race. <laughs> Yeah, that seems a little um, minimally pessimistic that the whole region will be ensnared in something at that point three weeks from now. That, yeah. I guess that's just a worst-case scenario plan for them. Yeah, maybe it was just announced that, hey, heads up, this is on a radar. Yeah. But the last statement I saw was that um, they're moving ahead with it. I sure hope so. I, I There's something about that race being the last race of the year that I really like. My muscle memory or so my brain's been formatted. Like it just feels right to have that be the mm-hmm. last race. Vegas does not seem like the last race of the season. This is like the big crazy swing in the middle of the season. Yeah. And it's their first one there. Like, you can't end there. Who knows what's going to happen? Like We don't know. I feel like there has to be something chaotic happening in Vegas, doesn't there? There has to be a track invasion or, I don't know, something Something else has got to happen there, I think. Some drunk man diving off the <laughs> top of the wind so with a parachute you... on to land right in the fucking... Or maybe one of those little mo- those mobility scooters, you know, with someone, oxygen tank. They're little rascals. Just got through. No yeah. one, yeah, somehow snuck through all the barricades. Their bingo dauber in their hand. You know the bridges that go across Las Vegas Boulevard, you know, that from hotel to hotel. So the FIA or Formula One in general has put up these like clear, I don't know, wrap. Plexiglass. Yeah, like a wrap on the glass so you can't stand up there and look down on the track. Oh. You know, because you need to buy a ticket for everything. So yeah. they don't want spectators just roaming and watching from there. But they've all been ripped down. Like people have come by and just ripped everything down. Of course. Uh, so I saw this guy was showing them all. And it's like there's too many people. One person pulls a little corner. Every other person on that bridge is ripping it down. So I think it's going to be wild. I Listen, I, I guess I appreciate what they're trying to do, which they have this property, blah, 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 blah. But, but also there's some arrogance in the notion that they're going to control who sees this race and who doesn't in Las Vegas is, is a little insane. It'd be like having a race in Rome and thinking, you know, it's just it's uncontrollable. The police can barely control that place on a normal weekend. I think it would be cooler if they had the, the you know, certain designated spots that you could watch by ticket to, but they also just open it up to the city. Like there are certain spots yeah. where a pedestrian bridge, for example, you could watch it or from a rooftop bar and some restaurant that has a, a little view. Yeah. It seems cool. Like you're just incorporating the city as opposed to trying to close every single thing off unless you've purchased a ticket. And there's going to be people in Vegas anyway that don't care. I was just going to say they're going there because of what Vegas is, and yet they're trying to lock out Vegas. It doesn't make sense. They should be embracing what it's all about. Well, that's the one thing I'm mildly pessimistic about. When Christian was talking about that they had built the... They had built Vegas in the sim, and they're already racing it, right? The way they've built the grandstands, the grandstands are enormous. And maybe it was my father-in-law that was telling me this. The grandstands are enormous. It's not like bleachers. It's like nice, comfortable seats, and they're huge, and it looks like they're permanently built there. It did occur to me, like, the cool part of this race is blasting down Las Vegas Boulevard and flying by these casinos, these these legendary signs we've all seen at 200 miles an hour, if they're just seeing bleachers, I feel like they've kind of nullified the appeal yeah, of it. Yeah, that's stupid. It's, it's really stupid. I, do you know what, talking about the sim and stuff, I, I was chatting to, um, when I was in Bahrain, to an XF1 racer, and I was saying, well, how can you simulate this? They're laying all the surface, you know, how do you put that in the sim? And he said, oh, no, the teams will contact the contractors who are doing that work and they get a specimen of the surface that's being laid, and then they have a dyno in the factory, a tyre dyno, with a wheel and tyre rig on it, where they put forces through the tyre, different loads, etc. So that's the degree 
the preparation goes to. It's insane. I mean, it feels like cheating, but I think they're all doing it. It's absolutely mad. But there's no way Haas is doing it, right? There are certainly, Williams probably, do they have the dyno and the asphalt? I, I maybe mean, not. They can't. Maybe not. And that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's all this unseen stuff that you don't know what's going on. But you, you read, oh, the SIP, they're all doing sim laps. And you think, well, it's just a computer game. But no, they've got specific readings from the surface that's being laid right now before it's even laid. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, they probably have the most accurate weather prediction, the most accurate, what the temp, nighttime. The temp. weather thing still gets me. Like when they can look and they can tell, oh, it's coming in turn 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes only on turn 12 is insane. It yeah. just blows my mind every time I hear it. It does make you wonder if they were applying all this to something useful to society. <laughs> come on. We might be. I mean, come on. That'd be, be, be ridiculous. Well, they get, they're developing an e-fuel, so that could be our savior. That's when their e-fuel comes in, if it properly works and is scalable, that could be uh, something we can all be pleased about. It'd make me not regret as much all these cars I've been accumulating that I'm pretty certain I won't be able to get fuel for in 15 years. Um Okay, another bit of pulp, uh, that storm we saw in Quali. I don't know if anyone saw these videos. I certainly saw them, but uh, the, the whole roof of the grandstand ripped off. People were scattering and running. And what was curious is I was, so the, the, the grandstand's got this huge vinyl roof over them. And the middle section rips off and it's getting really hectic. But the people still standing in their section seem to be very calm. They're like, oh, good, we're, we're not getting rained on. But my thought is like, those poles, that's what I'm nervous about. Now that I've seen that, I don't want, I'm more nervous that the one that the roof hasn't ripped off is going to take the poles out now and we're all going to get smashed. Just impaled. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It looked hairy. I don't want to be in that situation. The first thing I thought was how ridiculous our LA hurricane was when I saw oh. that. Because these people were sitting there just hanging like, all right, yeah. great. We're I'm, I've got a little bit of cover. I'm, I'm good. And it was a hurricane. <laughs> yes, yes. And we got a little rain and the city shut down. I got alerts on my phone going wild. Yeah, it was biblical and they were fine. Yeah, they were fine. Yeah, those Brazilians. But yeah, the wind gets me with all this stuff blowing around. That's, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, Checo Alonso love. Checo gives huge hug to Alonso during an interview after the race. Uh, Checo praises Alonso in post-race interview saying he's won of the very few you can race that hard against, it was a fair fight. So it's really good to see how much respect uh, and admiration. You just imagine that same it battle. It wasn't a fair fight, though. Checo should have been able to overtake him, no problem, equipment-wise. Well, th this race did raise the question, I felt like, because Checo seemed to be driving very well in the race. He was on it. It felt like perhaps this race exemplified Max's skills. Oh, yeah, because the that's car, your go-to reaction to everything, ducks. It doesn't but matter truly, what's happening. I don't. I don't think the car was all that dominant. I think the car was like a nudge better than the the McLaren, and a nudge better. Yeah, no, I agree. Than I think Press did a lot better without a doubt. But I think we're still in this situation. All these drivers are next level. They're fantastic, but. You want to think that occasionally the teammate can make Max struggle. That's that's surely what we all want to see. Piastri, there are times when he's giving Lando a hard time. Russell can give Hamilton a hard time. It just doesn't happen. And I get that he's driving better, but I'm surprised that a, an organization as ruthless as Red Bull is so loving to Checo in some ways. Do you know what I mean? It feels like any other team, Checo would have been out the door, you know, five races ago or something. But they're so desperately to keep him. And ultimately, he was fourth place what mm -hmm. over 30 seconds down he also had a mercedes team that was trash mm -hmm. so i mean he he had a good weekend for him compared yeah. to the last couple weeks but still it's, it's time you know, he's in a great a better car i mean max yeah. kind of was we don't know what he could have done but he was out there comfortably and checo just couldn't couldn't even get on the podium yeah yeah that was a bummer. Um, one more thing about Max. Uh, he said. <laughs> That's what Kristen is just before she goes to sleep every night. <laughs> yeah. Hun, did you know Max is a bad singer? He sang in the, uh, Christian played him a song over the radio at the end of the race. And, and Max sang along, which was adorable. What song Terrible was singer. Yeah, what One was I'd never song? heard. And it sounded like an old sleepy country song. You want me to play it for you guys? Let's try I did this. hear this, this but I couldn't remember what it was. If my math is right, I think 
you have just overtaken Ascari. That's a record from 1952, mate. I didn't even mention that, Jethro. Wits in the season. Yeah. Yeah, we did that. That's we all another, did that. <laughs> another historic one. See if you recognize this. This is real, guys. This happened. <laughs> Very nice. He says, sing along. Uh, I'm not a good singer. I uh, like to uh, listen to it. Oh, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. The old house is still standing. The table is packed and dry. <laughs> This is so weird. <laughs> it's very similar to the MGK Brundle because basically Horner's like, you're going to sing right now. And Max's like, I'm not going to. Yeah. Which one of them is going to back out first? Either the song's going to stop or Max is going to start singing. And he sang. And he waited till he heard the lyric and then sang it afterwards, which I think is a cool move. I generally try to go along with it and I expose my ignorance on the right. song. Ah, uh, that's weird. I don't, I don't like but it. What, but why? What? What was the significance of that? That's the green, green grass of home by Tom Jones. Oh, you know, you know it. Yeah, because it's, it's it's Tom Jones. Yeah, but oh. what, what, why? I mean, they're not at home. It's not a home. I don't really get it. What does it mean? It means he and Horner got fucking shit faced someday at Horner's probably house, and at five a.m. they started listening to that song over and over again and singing it. That Maybe they were riding a- horses out there, oh, and, and sure. they started. They got to talking about this. Song. A hammered horse ride yeah. at five a.m. <laughs> that's that's could could definitely be the explanation. <laughs> I think that was something special between those two. There, ah, it was weird. I don't, I don't weird. like it. I love it. It just goes to show whatever he does when he's an asshole, I love it. When he's an insolent dick, I like it. When uh-huh. he's singing terribly and way f- beyond when the <laughs> lyrics were given. Again, in the post-race, uh, you know, in that little holding room they're in, yeah. Max had seen Checo overtake Alonzo somehow already, yeah. watching it on a screen somewhere. He said, I almost went straight and turned four. Yeah. Because he was watching it so closely. He was watching. I mean, that happened on the last lap. Barely. It was a split second, but he was watching it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I thought when you made the pass, that was it. Like, he had seen it somehow. Wouldn't that have been spectacular? If he crashed. He, he, that's how he took himself out. As he was too engaged in the race. <laughs> in the replay. Do you want to know why that song? Oh, yeah. So, oh, Wobby Wob's got some deets on the song. Apparently, when he used to head back from the cart race... Uh, his father used to play Tom Jones tracks over and over again, and that was one of them. I'm surprised he didn't get PTSD from I don't know if that's a good call. (laughs) (laughs) He started looking for a gas station he's going to get dropped off at. I'm going to take that car right on home. Now, would you like that outcome as he plays that song and Max just starts sobbing uncontrollably? (laughs) Um, P10. Um, I, I, you got it, Charlie. You got it. I'm surprised you didn't dress differently. This is a huge day. You finally got it. This is my victory outfit. That's unimpressive. You were in a robe <laughs> last weekend. You've been in much bitter. bitter how did outfits. you feel when it was? How was the last few laps? Did you have to leave the room? Could you watch? How was it? I felt good, except for everyone was just dropping out. George was. Dro- I mean, at, at that point, there are only 14 cars left or something. I don't like anyone battling Perez. That's always a recipe for disaster. Those those two could have been gone in a heart. They were my only hope. Yeah. So I didn't feel great. The timing was perfect because he kind of looked like he was making a little push. He was on the three stop too. So he was a little all over the place. And then he settled in about 10 seconds from ninth and 10 seconds ahead of 11th. And I felt good, but there was so much going on. I didn't feel, I didn't think I had it till the very end. So you had Alcon. He finally, finally, Ocon, he's got so many of these tents, but we're never on the right week with him. Yep. And I have to credit Jethro, because I was going to take an Alpine, and he picked first and took Gasly. So That was a gift. And you probably would have, would you have picked Gasly over? Yeah. Yeah. So really, uh, you know, an assist from Jethro. Yeah, I'll take half half the cash for that one then. And how many (laughs) weeks was that? That was 5X. 5X. So that's a $2,000 win right there. I needed that. Yeah. I mean, with any luck, we'll all come out semi-neutral. It's really close. I think everyone's between like 1,200 and 1,500. And now I got to figure out, I got to I gotta check in with Matt from his leaderboard, his alternative way <laughs> yeah. of calculating oh, right. who's in the lead, what, <laughs> right. what, what this has done to that lead. But Danny was close at the end somehow. Even though he's a lap down, he was somehow close. Gasly was always up there. 
Yuki was up there. Yeah. yeah. Six cars out, which I think that was the most of the year. Because when there were five out, they were saying it had tied mm-hmm. the previous uh, disaster. Uh, Jethro, when do you get into town? Are you excited about uh, Vegas? That's what's next for us. Uh, next Wednesday, we'll have a preview for Vegas. And we'll also, we'll have contacted the people who we're going to interview. But also, we'll announce um, who's coming to join us at Club SI to be interviewed. We also can we can we announce this? It's so exciting. I would or maybe not just in case something okay, happens. Okay, you're right. Good job, Wobby Wobby. Yeah, don't mention that Taylor Swift interview we're doing. Taylor Swift with Kel- Kels- Kelsey Kelso. Travis Kelsey. Taylor Swift and her boyfriend. Taylor Kelso. <laughs> yeah, I am excited. I'm excited to get in. I'm excited for the road trip. We have a big, fast, noisy SUV and a Corvette Z06. We have loads of things lined up, so I'm, it's going to be great, isn't it? We have the two very best things that GMs potentially ever made in their 100-year history, which is the Escalade V and the Z06. Yeah. Like, we got the cream of the General Motors crop for this trip. Yeah, I'm excited. And we'll have some track fun. And yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to see these cars race because I haven't seen it this season. You guys have been to a couple of races. I have not. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be in Vegas. I imagine it'll either be fantastic or hell on earth. But let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I love it. There'll be... uh no one will be ambivalent about it. That's for no. certain. I'm very excited at the idea of them racing down that strip. I don't know what it will look like in reality, but the idea of it excites yeah. me. I will say, though, if you drive out of Vegas, there is the great strip, but there's it gets dicey within six blocks of the... So you're going to also, I have to imagine, see these cars driving by liquor stores and pawn shops and fast check cashing. I mean, I hope that's where they put the majority of these stands that are blocking everything, because there's a whole bunch of... Uh, grit between two downs. blocks away <laughs> yes. not even a block i mean you you go right behind the parking lot of the hotels and that, that's yeah that, it flips a switch <laughs> it really does you don't get to see that often where it's like glitz and glam and then right in the dirt yeah it'll be pretty cold right it yeah it's gonna be cold yeah i mean i don't know why they decided light night i guess the, for the lights of vegas we I think wanted. it'll be like 50 at night I wonder if they're going to be broadcasting any of the race coverage on the big, huge screens that already exist there in front of the casinos. I wonder if the FIA has allowed that. What about in that new dome? That new sphere? Yeah, the sphere, in the sphere. That would be pretty amazing. I mean, minimally, they should always be showing the cockpit shot of the the driver's helmet. So we just see their face on that huge sphere. Now, we have something really exciting planned that you've you've arranged, Jethro, which is we're going to go to the track and we're going to drive on Friday. We are, yeah. I haven't had the itinerary, but on Friday, we're going to head out to Spring Mountain Circuit. There's a Corvette race school, I guess, there. And Uh I don't know quite what we're going to do, but I assume we're going to drive as fast as we can around the track and maybe skid around some big open areas. And I mean, Matt has already, I hear, downloaded the track and has said to me he's going to try and do 300 hours or something before he even gets there. So this is the most dangerous part of this um, <laughs> this this event yes. we have planned. I feel unethical bringing it up while he's not here to defend himself, but I will say this has the makings of a humongous disaster. It does, or maybe he just silences us with some Verstappen-esque lap time and just this silky precision. Who knows? It's, it's hard to tell. I want it for him, but I, I all I can think of is the guy who's done a flight simulator so many times and decides to land an airplane by himself without ever doing it before. I just imagine him thinking, well, I know the breaking point is 50 yards. <laughs> I'm not touching the brakes till I get there because on the sim, it's not that. I guess that's my main fear. Yeah, I think sims are great. From what I can tell, if you have a base of knowledge and you understand how a car's dynamics works, then a sim can obviously massively fast forward your knowledge of a track, etc. But going from not having ever driven a car quickly being quite quick on a sim and then trying to switch that on into a car that weighs 1500 kilos and has 650 670 horsepower it will be interesting to watch from a from a very great distance i am uh, increasingly nervous that the car has been lent to me personally in my name <laughs> i have to say i wish it were not in my name 
It's going to be great. It's going to be great. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm like, I, I just want to see the F1 circus and there's nowhere better to see it than like the ultimate circus already. So I, I think Vegas could actually end up being really good. Yeah, my only fear is that we're leaving the bubble on Friday and then trying to re-enter and that we might never get back. That's a healthy fear of mine. Or that we all have to ditch the cars about two miles out of the and city. And just start walking. And just start huffing it yeah. to the hotel. Yeah, I did think about that. I don't know what the deal is with that, but um, I guess we'll find out. We certainly will find out. Hopefully we'll be coming from the right direction. Not yeah, I was going to say back. we can probably come from the backside and... yeah get in some and who knows maybe we'll be letting matt drive the the v and he'll be doing things you know we'll have just discovered <laughs> that we he can is get max. him to uh download the the map of so, vegas yeah, of can the he city google maps and in the sim <laughs> practice the street he could be the back. guy he could be the guy who gate crashes the race in an escalade v this is this is it matt uh-huh find his way on the track replacing burt mylander yeah yeah that's the move. Hair billowing out of the window. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Under those neon lights. <laughs> well, I'm so excited. Uh, we're getting close. Uh, it's going to be an incredible weekend, one way or another. Uh, so looking forward to it. Uh, so we will be back Wednesday for a preview of Vegas. Uh, congratulations, Charlie, on your first win. It was a big one. Uh, I feel so much relief. You owe Ocon if, you, if we meet him. You owe him up something. Maybe I'll give him a hundred bucks. Give him a hundred dollars. Slide him a hundred bucks. Tell him to put it on roulette number. <laughs> turn it into something significant. Uh, okay, so next week we will have the preview for Vegas. And until then, I encourage everyone to push, 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 push. Push, 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 push